Oh, they changed the voice, I think. That was different. It sounded the same on my end. It's different. All right. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena with Mac and Griff. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my co-host, Mac Rommel. And today we're going to be breaking down, really the main thing we'll be talking about today is the NBA free agency. Obviously kicked off on Monday. We've seen a lot of big deals go down. Most of the players, or the big guys at least, are off the board. The one notable one that is still on there, Kawhi Leonard. It's expected he will re-sign with the Clippers, but per usual, taking it slow with this free agency. So the day we're filming this on Friday, um, and the day you're going to probably be seeing this, we there's no word out quite yet on Kawhi Leonard. But besides the point, a lot has happened, most notably with a few teams, but the one we're going to start with, the Los Angeles Lakers. Obviously, last week we covered the Russell Westbrook trade on, uh, on our main channel, I believe. Um, so we talked about that and the impact that has. But at the time, you know, we were looking and, and seeing how the Lakers really need to go out and get some depth and free agency and how that could elevate them to, you know, potentially being the favorites. And now we're here after free agency where the Lakers have now gone out and added more than I think anyone thought would be possible for this team with the money they had. They went out and signed Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza. I mean, the names just go on and on. This team has lots of depth. They re-signed Kalen Horton Tucker. They obviously did lose the Caruso, Alex Caruso, the GOAT, um, to Chicago, which we'll get to in a second with the Bulls. But, Mac, what are your thoughts on these Lakers moves? I mean, obviously, last week we talked about how this team needed some depth to really compete with that Nets team and how the Nets probably were still favorites last week. But now, all of a sudden, the Lakers, a lot of guys willing to take less money to play for this team. They've got a very deep and, you know, pretty strong roster now. So what are your thoughts on the state of Lakers and how they could potentially match up against the Nets and and who you would favorite in that case? Yep. So Lakers, as you said, they go out, they get a bunch of guys. They add four veterans, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington, Ken Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony. And then you go out and you get your young guns. You get Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk. And these are all great signings, especially for the offensive side. We know their offense is going to be a leader already. You have Westbrook, you have Davis, you have, of course, the man himself, LeBron James. This offense was to begin with insane. You go out, you get these guys who are going to be able to produce on offense, but they still have this one question mark. None of these guys that they're bringing in are these elite defensive stoppers or these super good defensive stoppers that could help contribute uh, when you're playing defense. And that's one thing you'll have to look at when you're playing a team like the Nets potentially in the NBA finals this year, like everyone's going to be talking about once again, uh, these guys are going to have to be uh, or work their way up and hopefully play well defensively. But most importantly, they do have this depth. If a guy gets tired, whatever it may be, you're going to have these guys you could rotate in, throw in there, and that'll also be able to help your defense. And the two young guns, you have Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk. These are guys who over time, hopefully, are going to improve, get better. They're both players who are drafted pretty highly. And then the Lakers, I do believe they still may need to make another move or so for the defensive side of the ball. But right now, they're looking amazing, especially on offense. And I do think it's very close um, with the Nets right now. Uh, frick, I, I'm trying to figure out right now who I want to go with, who I think is better. Nets, you have that big three, of course, and that's who you're obviously relying on on the offensive side. The Lakers now, they have a big three. They got this depth. And you know what? We're going to have fun with it. We're going to go with the Lakers. Let's root against our New York team. And let's say the Lakers have the better team right now. As I said, 
um, earlier this season and when we're going into the playoffs. I do think experience is key um, when it comes to championships, and the Lakers have that. You have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, obviously have been to champion or been to the finals before. You have these guys who've been in the playoffs, who've made plays, and know what it's like to play on the big stages. The Nets, they made the playoffs this year. They weren't able to make it past the Bucks but they don't have that experience of going all the way to the finals recently with the team that they have now. And I'm not sure if they could put it together. Will they fold again like they did against the Bucks this season? I'm not sure if they will or not, but I do think the Lakers right now are the better team because of their experience. They do have a big three now. They went and they got some depth, but right now the only thing I think they're missing is another piece or two on that defense. Yeah, I definitely agree with you uh, on the points you made. I think defensively, the Lakers are are not the best team, but at the same time, neither are the Nets per se. I mean, you look at that big three for the Nets, none of those guys are really known for their defense. So, um, you know, both teams defensively aren't aren't great, but I agree with you. The Lakers would be a lot more complete with a little more defense. They went out, got some guys who could shoot the ball a bit. Wayne Ellington, you know, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. Some of them are still improving their shooting, but you know, the, you know, the first two are vets, the, the second here are pretty new, um, you know, younger guys. So, you know, I think it was a great off season for the Lakers. They obviously went out and, you know, a lot of people didn't know who would be rotating in, who would be getting impactful minutes. Now they got guys who are, you know, NBA players, real guys who are, you know, legit. Um, they can play and, and it'll be fun to watch. But the one thing I am a little worried about with them is, you know, outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and I guess Taylor Horton Tucker, none of these guys have really played together. Um, obviously, you do have some friendships. LeBron, Carmelo, Carmelo, Carmelo and Russ have played before, but that didn't go too well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Because to me, at least, um, I am a little worried about just not necessarily chemistry. I think they'll get along. But just being able to, you know, learn how to play with each other. I think that is something that is extremely undervalued. I do think it takes time for teams to get used to each other and that, you know, Teams that are built up together often do, you know, kind of figure it out and how to play with each other. But, um, you know, if a team can figure it out, it'd be this Lakers team with all this veteran experience. I think guys can can figure it out, um, especially with LeBron, Anthony Davis. I mean, those two are, are, are great players. So I think it'll be interesting to see. But that is one thing. I mean, you're essentially the team from last year has essentially been completely revamped outside of three players, basically, who will be getting minutes. So that is a thing to think about. Right now, comparing the Nets and the Lakers, it's very close. I mean, you look at the, the Nets offseason, they bring back Blake Griffin, they signed Patty Mills, Bruce Brown is back. So they brought back some key, um, you know, depth guys and also, you know, the, the Patty Mills signing was nice. I think I would give it to the Nets just off that star power, that big three. I really think Kevin Durant right now is the best player in the league. And I think James Harden is, is fantastic. Kyrie Irving then is almost just a plus. And, and to me, that big three is, is better than the Lakers' big three. I think it's more dangerous. I think those guys are more directly in their prime at the moment. So I'd probably lean towards the Nets, but obviously it's going to depend on health if these two teams do match up. Odds, uh, like we saw this year, that all these players on these teams will remain healthy. Not very high. So we'll see what happens with that. But if I had to say right now, I'd go against Mr. Rommel over here and I'd go with the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Hey, it's something new. I feel like a lot of things we somehow end up agreeing on. So maybe we're going to have to start disagreeing a little bit more on this channel. We're going to have to see. We're definitely going to see some of that during the NFL season. But, yeah, Lakers for Mac and the Nets for Griffin. Yeah, very early. But a team in the 
Eastern Conference staying with the, the East, I guess, on the side of the Nets that really made some strong moves this free agency. That would be the Chicago Bulls. They completed two very important sign-in trades. The first one for Alonzo Ball with the Pelicans, who they signed to a four-year $85 million deal. In a sign-in trade, they gave Garrett Temple, Sadoransky, and a second rounder to New Orleans. And then they went out and signed a star forward, DeMar DeRozan, to a deal, I believe, three years, $85 million. Wow. So the Bulls really going out. They build around Zach Levine. It seems like my internet connection might be unstable, so I don't know what Mac heard exactly there. But if you didn't hear Mac, we're talking about the Bulls to go out and sign DeMar and Lonzo Ball. Obviously, they currently have Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. They also have a lot of other guys there. Kobe White, um, Patrick Williams played pretty good this year. Um, I believe Troy Brown Jr. is on that team. Laurie Markinen, restricted free agent. We'll see if they bring him back. So the Bulls really, you know, have a strong starting five now and, and a good young core to pair with it. Mac, I mean, this Bulls team, it's the best I've seen in, from them in a while. Obviously, you look at the Derrick Rose days when he was in his prime form. That was probably the best, you know, team since this. Um, you know, what are your kind of thoughts right now on the moves the Bulls made? Obviously, you know, pretty big moves. Um, and this team seems like they're going to be a potential, you know, serious contender in the Eastern Conference. Yep. As you said, they get some big players. They have Vucevic, excuse me. Uh, he's a 30-year-old, two-time All-Star, and he's become one of the best post scorers in the league. And now he's been, he's been able to shoot threes from 40% as a big man as well. You get DeMar DeRozan, you get Lonzo Paul. So all these deals and the Bulls, as you said, they are looking much better than they have in recent years. Right now, I do think they're pushing for around a 500 record. They could push for a potential playoff spot. We're going to have to see. But right now, they're going to go from the 21st best offense in the league last year. And I think this year, they could potentially be a top 10 offense after these signings. Now you have um, four three-point threats in your starting lineup. You have two dynamic on-ball uh, creators at the half court. You have a big man who, as I said, he could score in the post or he could shoot behind three, uh, behind, excuse me, behind the arc and hit some threes. You have a lot of guys who go out, make plays offensively. And this offense is going to have a big leap this year. And it's going to potentially be able to push them into the playoffs. Yeah, um, you know, I really like the moves they made. Um, you know, even going back to the trade deadline last year, um, Nikola Vucevic, that was a great move. Obviously, you know, it didn't really pan out for them in the season, but I think the Bulls had more of a long-term approach, and we're starting to see that with, with this current team being assembled. Vucevic is a great center. He's so underrated. He can shoot, like you just said, good in the post. I mean, he does a lot of things good. You add – you already have Zach Levine, who is a, you know, budding superstar at this point. They didn't even make sure they get him extended. Um, he is a stud um, and the best player on this ball club. But now you bring in a guy like Alonzo Ball, who a lot of people are, are really high on. We've heard the Knicks link to him. Um, he was a guy who a lot of people thought might get traded last trade deadline, but he didn't. Um, so he comes now, as well as DeMar DeRozan, who to me, and DeMar DeRozan is not having to be the best player on his team and, and can kind of be one of those, you know, side pieces. That's dangerous. I mean, you look in San Antonio, he was really the guy there and, and he was putting up plus 20, 20 plus points a game there, um, you know, and, and was always being guarded by the top guys. Now you're looking at, you know, the other guys, these teams have to worry about coming in. They got to worry about Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. I mean, there's a lot of guys you kind of got to think about before DeMar. So I think DeMar's really going to flourish in this and that there are guys that are going to draw more attention to the defense than him rather than 
you know, DeMar has kind of always been the best player on his team for most of his career. You look back to the Toronto days, they obviously had Kyle Lowry, but I think everyone would agree that DeMar DeRozan was probably always those best players on the team. He was always the best player on his team. So I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him um, specifically to just, you know, flourish more, be in a role that potentially suits him better um, and allows him to have a lot of success as well as team success. I think they've done a great job in building this team. It's a deep team. They've got a good bench. To me, this is a, a locked playoff team. I know you're saying they, you think they'll be around 500 or so. To me, this is an above 500 team. I think in the East Conference, you got to look at the top teams. You obviously have the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers, um, assuming they're up there. Those, to me, are the, the top three teams in the East. Then you've kind of got a mix of teams. you got the Hawks. you got the Knicks. And now I think, you know, you can put the Bulls right in that, that mix of those teams right there. I think the Bulls kind of fall right in there. Um, as well as some other teams, potentially maybe the Celtics. I mean, we'll see. But um, to me, that's kind of where the Bulls rank up in the East. I don't think they're a top, one of those top three teams, but could they be the four seed out, out of all those teams? Absolutely. I think they're right there in contention. And, you know, it's going to be a very good team to see. Maybe I think they've got the opportunity to exceed those expectations, not necessarily um, fail them. I think this is a, a potentially really good basketball team. A very, uh, you know, very, very good offseason for Chicago fans. So that's for sure. Yep, Chicago Bulls making some good moves, trying to make a push for this season. They got a lot of wins, and as you said, another team that is trying to push for a playoff spot, and they and that is the New York Knicks. They go out, they get some players. You have Nerlens Noel, you get Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, and Fournier, and you get all these guys who are going to try and come in and contribute to make uh, you able or hope hopefully uh, the Knicks can make a playoff push here. I don't see them right now as an NBA Finals contender. I don't think they're anywhere near that right now. You're going to have to see substantially more from players like R.J. Barrett. But you get Kemba Walker. What the heck did I just say? Like an- Walker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the heck just happened. Kemba Walker, he's a four-time All-Star. And then you go, you get Evan Fournier. He is not an All-Star. He's never been an All-Star in his life. Uh, he's a solid scorer. He's been a solid scorer with the Magic. And he's really a middling defender. Uh, he's not the most inventive. He's not the most. He's not the best passer. You do have scoring upside, but right now, after uh, his signing, I mean, I think you may have overpaid for him a little bit. I don't think he is worth the money that you gave him. You're gonna have to see substantially more from him. You're gonna have to see substantially more from R.J. Barry. You're gonna have to see substantially more from many players uh, as a Knicks fan if you want to make a push and make it far in the NBA playoffs. Even if you can get there right now, I mean, you're gonna be banking on a lot of guys that you're overpaying for and you're hoping to pan out. Right now, I'm not so sure how that's gonna happen, and it's feeling like the Knicks are one of those teams where you're gonna have to wait and see as the season goes on what kind of team this is going to be? Um, you know, I, I agree with you in that. I don't think they're necessarily a team that will be competing for the finals. Um, but I do think they had a great off season and, and I don't think that should be overlooked. I mean, you look at some of the guys they had being free agents that were key guys, Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, Derek mm-hmm. Rose, they re-signed all these guys to three-year deals. They were such a key part of that success for the Knicks. And, and that was really a key reason for them being in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, being the four seed was their depth and, and their their strong, uh, you know, play from, from their bench and, and guys like Alec Burks, Nolan Snowell, um, and Derek Rose really was the, 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 the key. I mean, he was their star in the playoffs when, when Randall was asleep. Um, so th- those three were, were big signings, specifically Derek Rose. 
Um, they extended Julius Randle, which is a good move for them. I like the money too. It wasn't, you know, you're not paying this guy more than $30 million a year, which is always good. Um, I think they got a good deal on him. So Nick Sand should be very happy about that. The guy, they got their, you know, current star. And then the Kemba Walker and, uh, you know, Evan Fournier moves are pretty interesting. Um, you know, Kemba Walker, a guy who, you know, they bring him in on a two-year deal. He, you know, has been an all-star in the past. Like you mentioned, his days in Charlotte are behind him. That, that will be his peak of his career. He, you know, kind of a lot of people think he was not as great this year, um, but he's still a good player. And I think in that Knicks offense where, you know, there's not going to be as much a pressure for him to score. He's going to be there. You know, he's going to obviously be asked to score, but they're going to still have guys like Derrick Rose. And now they have Fournier. That, like the pressure will not be necessarily on Kemba Walker as it was in Boston. I feel like the narrative in Boston was that they really needed a lot out of him. Um, while in the Knicks, he might just be simply more of a role player in the starting position. I mean, he's not going to be, I don't think they're asking him to be a star, which is what he's been asked to be his whole career, which I think will allow, you know, for him to do really well. I think people need to lower their expectations on what they're going to get out of him. Um, you're not going to get Charlotte Kemba Walker, but could you get a solid guy who's going to score 17, 18 points a game, um, shoot the ball well? Yeah, 100%. Is he the best defender? No. Should he be in there in the end of the game? I, I don't know. With the Knicks, you know, they're, they're a great team. They pride themselves in their depth. I don't know if you can have them in there in the end for defense, but We'll see what happens. And then the real quick, the Evan Fournier signing. I agree with you in that it's probably a little too much money. Unfortunately, though, that is the NBA market and, and kind of what he was probably going to end up getting. So if they wanted him, they had to pay him. I understand it. Obviously, it's unfortunate that they're going to have to give him around $20 million. But he is a guy who, you know, really mostly in his career has been a 17, 18 point guy. He's a 40 plus percent shooter from three. So that's what they really need. They need some key guys shooting. He essentially replaces Reggie Bullock, who, you know, had some good moments in the playoffs, but overall was not really good. I mean, he was an okay defender, pretty good defender. I'll give him that. Um, but Evan Fournier now is, is going to come in and, you know, he'll be able to be, um, you know, a real shooting presence in that Knicks lineup, which is something they didn't really have last year. You look at their starting lineup for what they really ran. It was kind of paid in block, Barrett ran. I mean, they really could have used some shooting. So Fournier is definitely going to help with that, as will Kemba Walker. So the Knicks did very good this offseason. They go out and get some shooting. Definitely a lot to be excited about. I don't think they're in that top three echelon, but like I said before, I, I think right again, they're competing for that four seed. They're, to me, they've done nothing to, to lose that per se, um, but it'll be interesting to see teams like the Hawks. I mean, they played really good in the playoffs, so they'll be able to put it together in the regular season. We'll have to see, but um, I, overall, I like the offseason for the Knicks a lot. Yep, for sure. And I guess we could go to the other side now. We have the Suns and their big re-signing of Chris Paul. We keep on talking about the Suns. And since we're on the topic of the Suns, I have to mention my cousin Rome. It's just how things are going now. So, Rome, I know you're happy about this re-signing of Chris Paul, a guy who was key uh, to the Suns' success last season. He gets a four-year deal that could be worth up to $120 million. Paul, He's a great player. He's finally been able to make it to the NBA Finals. And he's a guy that is known to take care of his body. And he's at age 36. He made his 11th All-Star team. And he averaged 16.4 points a game and 8.9 assists per game. In the playoffs, he was key to helping the Suns get to the Finals. And that's you re-signed him. You're keeping Booker, Aiton, Bridges, all of these guys from your team last year back together and you're hoping you could do something similar to what you did last year 
um, this upcoming season. You're obviously going to have that explosive offense. Booker, Paul, one of those two are probably going to go off every single game uh, like we saw in the playoffs. Um, and that was kind of a thing we saw into the NBA Finals where those first two games, either Booker or Paul, they were going off and they won those games. After that, you really didn't see either of, either of them really going off, getting that 30-plus points per game. You're seeing them get 20, sometimes even less than 20 points, and that was not ideal for the NBA Finals um, if they wanted to come away with that series like it was looking um, – they were going to do throughout those first two games. But Paul, he's a great player. You're keeping this offense together. Now if the Suns could sign another piece or two for their defense as well, like uh, I was saying for the Lakers, they easily could be back in the NBA Finals once again. But right now it's looking like they're going to be relying a lot on their offense once again this season. I'm not sure how that's going to work out for them, but I do think the team is great and they do have the potential to repeat and go back to the NBA Finals. Yeah, um, it was, you know, interesting, um, you know, uh, you know, here's what I'll say. Chris Paul, um, you know, they had to go re-sign him. He was a key part of their success. Four-year deal. Um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think it would hurt them in the, in the last year or two. I think it's going to be a rough $30 million to pay those two years. But you got to do it. Your window's now. Um, you don't want to waste Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden's prime. So I like the move. Obviously, you had to do it. You know, it's tough. They've had some other good moves. They've signed JaVale McGee, who, um, you know, still proven to be a semi contributor, somehow made it on Team USA for basketball. Don't know how that happened, but good for JaVale. Um, and I believe they're also close to an agreement for Alfred Payton as well. So that'd be a good depth signing at the point guard position as well. So, you know, the, the Suns are making moves. They're doing their best to repeat. To me, I, I just don't think they're going to be able to recreate that success and recreate that magic. Um, you know, to me, I, I kind of think of it like the Toronto Raptors almost with Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, you still have your technical Kawhi Leonard, if you want to call Chris Paul that this year. But to me, you know, it's still a good team, still a team that's going to be in the playoffs. But just they had that one year where kind of everything went right for them. They obviously played well. They deserved it. But, you know, in the case of the Suns, it obviously didn't go well. But then after, they were close, but they could never quite get back. I mean, you look at the Raptors the year after, they were close, they almost got there, and now they're kind of in a complete rebuild. So that's not necessarily saying that's what the Suns have. Obviously, they have a lot better of a core than the Raptors did, and a younger one with, you know, Booker, Aiton, um, if Bridges re-signs Bridges, now they have Chris Paul. But to me, I, I just don't feel like they're going to be able to be a serious contender in this Western Conference. I still like the Lakers better than them, especially after free agency. I, if the Clippers re-sign Kawhi and he's healthy, I like the Clippers. I like the Nuggets a lot. The Jazz, you can't forget about. They'll be there. So there's a lot of good teams in this Western Conference. And to me, the Suns, you know, they're obviously a very good team. But a lot is going to have to go right. And a lot went right for them to be in that spot last year. I just can't see it happening again. I mean, you look at their path. Obviously, you don't want to blame injuries and say, oh, well, he was injured. But it is a fact. I mean, you look at the Lakers, Anthony Davis was out. You look at the Nuggets, Jamal Murray was out. And you look at the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard was out. So you missed, you know, arguably the best player on almost each team in, in your series. And then when you face the Bucks, they absolutely went up 2-0, and then we all know what happened. So um, to me, I don't think the, the Suns will – I think they're going to be contenders – they'll be you know in contention to make it to the finals but i just don't see it happening again i think that was kind of their big one year they had to get it done and uh you know good move though regardless they had to get it done but to me i i just don't think they're going to be another you know finals team i just don't i just don't see it to be honest 
Damn, bashing Rome right like that. He's going to watch this. I know you're going to DM from him. Rome, just go to his DMs and talk trash to him. Uh, I want those sons to go back. We're obviously disagreeing on this once again. It seems like it's a common theme right now. They were just disagreeing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Suns, they have a lot to look forward to this upcoming season. As you said, you have teams up there, especially the Lakers, who they will be fighting with. And right now I do think the Lakers are a little bit above the Suns. Well, not a little bit. They're substantially better than the Suns, but I do think the Suns are going to be able to get there and potentially put up a fight. Um Against the, uh, against the Lakers, excuse me. Hopefully in the conference championship, we're going to have to see how that plays out. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that for sure. Obviously, real quick, um, there you know, a bunch of other moves made in the league. Um, you know, the Miami Heat were very active. They signed Kyle Lowry to a three-year $90 million deal. They traded Goran Dragic, Precious Achua, in a second-round pick. So, And they also, uh, you know, extend... Jimmy Butler, as well as bringing back Duncan Robinson on a five-year, $90 million deal. Pretty crazy for one of the league's better shooters. But, you know, obviously they go out. They're now going to have Lowry in that starting five. It's going to be a pretty good lineup. And that's another team that I think I forgot about in the Eastern Conference that's right in that pack of the four seed. Them, the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Bulls. These are four teams that will be battling it out for that four through seven spot, really. Um, You know, these are all good teams. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, th- I don't think they're finals contenders with Kyle Lowry per se. Um, Jimmy Butler to me declined a bit this year. I didn't, I didn't love what I saw from him. Um, and I think the heat kind of were bubble frauds and the fact that, you know, that was not a finals team that we saw. They are good. They do have good pieces. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrow really hasn't developed too well, but he's still young. Kendrick Nunn, you now lose. Obviously that's kind of unfortunate, but you do have now have Lowry who, you know, 34, 33 years old or so. Should be a good move. Duncan Robinson, one of the better shooters. You keep him. Jimmy Butler gets four years, $180 million, a bit much in my eyes. But the NBA just gives some agrarious contracts. So we'll just let it slide, I guess. Hey, I'll um, take- yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, I mean, some big contracts. Trey Young also got five years, $270 million. It's 207, not 270. And Shy Gillages Alexander signed a five-year, $172 million extension. And then maybe the craziest extension was Steph Curry, for a four-year, $215 million contract. I don't even know what to say. That's about $54 million per season. That's insane. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's just unbelievable. Crazy to say the least. But, I mean, I think we kind of hit all the main storylines. I don't know if there's anything that you else you else you had to you wanted to touch on Mac, but um, that was kind of all the main things I had in mind, I think. Yep, I agree. I think now we could head over, talk a little bit of NFL fantasy football. Uh, Obviously, last night or uh, Thursday night, whenever you guys see this, we had the first uh, preseason game, Dallas Cowboys, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, my Cowboys. Took a loss as they will all season. (laughs) Shut up. We're going to see about that. We lost 16-3. You saw our boy Ben DiNucci play like (laughs) one interception, one fumble. That piece of shit's going to be a fourth stringer. I don't know how he even started a game last year when Garrett Gilbert was playing that well. 
Um, but yeah, it was a solid game all around. You saw some players like Chase Claypool. You saw rookie Najee Harris, the Cowboys side. You saw Michael Parsons. You saw Michael Gallup. But you really didn't see a lot of these starters that you would expect um, for the offensive line of the Cowboys. You saw Lyle Collins come out. He finally played a little bit. You saw Connor Williams. Uh, you saw some some guys that are going to be able to start, but you really didn't see all of the players. So obviously that'll probably develop. And um, we'll probably see more starters as the preseason continues. Probably in that last preseason game, we'll probably see a dry run um, for every team where you see about a series or two where you see most of the starters in the game. Uh, but I guess with that, we can start talking fantasy football. Uh, I'm not sure you want to where you want to start with this, so I'll hand it over to you. I think we can start with a guy who was featured in last night's game that got his first reps in the NFL, and that would be Najee Harris. You know, he looks pretty good, to be honest. Last night, he was churning out yards, getting some first downs. Um, you know, obviously, it wasn't much. He didn't get too much action. But in the reps that he did get, he was pretty productive, which was a good sign. That's what you want to see early on. So, Mac, just your overall thoughts on Najee Harris, where you would eye him in the draft. Obviously, it seems like he's going to be going second round if you feel like that is a good spot to look for him where in the second round. I mean, just your overall thoughts on Najee Harris and where you would like to draft him. Yep. So you obviously you have your main guys. You have the Derrick Henrys. You have the Christian McCaffreys. You have Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley. Um, I'd probably put Jonathan, not Jonathan, yeah, not Jonathan Taylor right now after uh, the injuries of Carson Wentz and um, Quentin Nelson. Uh, he's going to be a player who will do some stuff for you later in the season. You have Austin Eckler. I think he's going to have a big year. But after that, I really think you could put Najee Harris in that sort of range where you have players like Aaron Jones. You have some of these guys, and I think he falls in between them, like the Joe Mixons, maybe a little bit after them. But last night, as you said, he was turning out some yards. He was able to fall forward for some yards. And uh, Alabama, we see his body he has that physical build, and we saw the elusiveness he has. Last night, you didn't really see much of the elusiveness elusiveness you saw more doing dives running right up the middle and he was falling forward for for um some yards and i think that's going to be substantial and really help um him and himself as a fantasy um or as a fantasy player if you have him on your team he's falling forward for a, a yard too but if he consistently do, does that you're getting an extra two to three points per game potentially. And I think that's going to really help your team. Uh, you saw Chase Claypool. He was a bit shaky last night. He dropped a few balls. Um, but Najee Harris, I do think he's going to be a key. <laughs> I think he's going to be a key. You have to throw that in there. I have to. I hate that kid. <laughs> but um, he was dropping a few balls. I know it's probably just getting the rust off. But Najee Harris, he was really only – a player on the Steelers offense last night that looked ready. He's a rookie. He's new to this. He's never done this before. And these other guys have, and he's the one out there playing for almost a whole half and he continuously playing well and getting good carries four plus yard carries. Uh, he looked great. And I think he's going to become a real important player. Once it comes to the red zone, I'm expecting you to see a lot of touchdowns out of him, especially there. So I do think he falls in that Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones range, maybe a little bit after them, but uh, he looked good last night, and I do think he's going to be a good player for your fantasy football team this year. So where – second round, you think, for him would be where you would target him? Second, I'd probably say late second, early third, just because the amount of running backs. Okay. I think you're probably going to start seeing a run on receivers too before you get to uh, that uh, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, and Najee Harris range. So I'd give it end of round two, early round three for Najee Harris in my books. Okay. I think that's fair. Um 
I agree with a lot of what you said. I think Najee Harris, I mean, there look, there is a reason this team drafted him in the first round and they didn't go for a, an offensive lineman. They clearly love Najee Harris and want to use him. I think that's a similar thing. You know, you look at, it is hard to say because you look at the first round running back last year, Clyde Edwards Hilaire for the Chiefs. You know, people were really excited about him. They said, you want Andy redrafted him. Now he's going to use him. And it was kind of a disappointing year. I know they brought in like Lev Bell and we're kind of, you know, messing around. But, you know, you know, you got to take that into account. But I think Najee Harris is a really, uh, you know, we, we saw what he did in college. And to me last night, he looked more like an NFL back in terms of the way he was just running and the way he was on success. I mean, you look in college. It was very hard for teams to go up against that Alabama offense, that Alabama offensive line, who most of those guys are in the NFL now. And, uh, you know, Najee Harris, who was a freak of nature, it was, it was tough for them to tackle him. So I think we're now seeing kind of Najee Harris realistically translating to the NFL. But I do think he had a successful night one. I think he looked pretty good, like you said, falling forward for a few yards. He, you know, he's a strong kid. He's not going to be, you know, getting taken down at the line, which I think is something that is, you know, pretty important. It looks like the Steelers you know, could use him a lot. The, obviously, the quality of that offensive line is a big question mark and a, you know, concern when talking about Najee Harris as well as the fact that, you know, the Steelers, like, throw the ball. But I think with Najee Harris, they're going to start running the ball a bit more. Um, I agree with you. I think he's kind of in that Aaron Jones range. I personally would prefer Aaron Jones. I just, like, you know, I, I know what I'm getting out of Aaron Jones. You know you're going to get a guy who rushes the ball 14, 15 times a game. will get four to six catches or so. We'll have some crazy games each year, but we'll put up, you know, some touchdowns. No more Jamal Williams. They do have A.J. Dillon. We'll see what his role is. You know, to me, if I had to put Najee Harris in a range, I would put him above the the Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson's area. Um, I'm not high on either of those two per se. I, I like Najee Harris. So to me, I think you have that kind of – you obviously have those first five guys, um, you know, who should be the first five picks in any draft. Um, then you've got like a Zeke Elliott, a Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, that kind of group. And then to me, it's, it's Najee Harris after those guys. And then, you know, you get into the Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson's. So I think mid second round for Najee Harris is about where he'll end up mid to, to late second round. And I think that's where you should take him. I don't think uh, it is a risk. Um, but at the same time, I, I like the upside with Najee. Um, I think he could be really good, and and I uh, I do think he will be better than like a Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon is kind of a guy who just it's Joe Mixon at this point. Um, but I do like him. I don't think he's you know quite in that top tier, um, or not. Obviously, he's not in the top five tier, but in that like like Eckler, Zeke, like that that area. I don't think he's there. So just a little below that for me. Yep, and uh, so we have Najee Harris, one rookie running back, and then I think we should talk about another rookie running back. You have Travis Etienne on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he's a guy I think you're probably seeing later out of all the starting running backs. You're probably seeing him at the end, probably 25 to 32 range. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, so what are your thoughts on him? I know you have players like James Robinson. You get Trevor Lawrence. And it's just a really young, unproven core in offense. So what are your thoughts on Travis Etienne and where he'll end up? Yeah, I mean, I think the whole Travis Etienne thing is really interesting, but it's also really scary. Um, you've got a first-time head coach at Urban Meyer. Obviously, you could look at his scheme in, in Ohio State, but he's never really used a, a running back like Travis Etienne in, in the way that it's expected that he will be used. So to me, it's it's interesting because we don't really know what scheme Urban Meyer is going to come out with in the in the league. So we don't know how, how uh, him and James Robinson are going to be used. We've heard – 
you know, I've heard reports that they're still planning to use James Robinson. He's still going to be the main back. Etienne's going to be more of a pass catcher. So it worries me for both of these guys. You've also got a rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who obviously everyone is super high on. I think he's a great quarterback, but he's still a rookie at the end of the day. Anything can happen. You don't know what he, what could happen. Minchu Mania says he he's he's not going to be the number two. Maybe Minchu Mania beats him out. Who knows? I doubt it. I'd bet a lot of money that he doesn't. But, um, you know, with Etienne, I think it's a risk. I think you really got to be taking him as a guy for your bench and your RB4 on your team. Um, to me, uh, I wouldn't be planning on starting him um, personally. I don't like that. I, I just think it's too risky. I think, you know, he could be a guy that could be very good in the passing game. And I just don't know. I just don't personally see him having a crazy role in the rushing attack. I feel like that is going to be dominated by James Robinson. We are, I feel like to me, Etienne could be set up for more of like a JD McKissick type role right now, where, you know, he lines up in the slot. He's a guy who catches a lot of passes, does get some rush attempts. But to me, that's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling the vibe out of, um, you know, Jacksonville. I think there's upside on James Robinson. Um, for where he's projected to go. I feel like, you know, if you look at that Washington situation with Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, if James Robinson can be an Antonio Gibson, you're talking a, a very high-end RB who would be in the later round. So that has some upside to it. But with Etienne, I am a little worried um, just about the role. I think with both of them, you can be. Um, I don't know. I'm not too high on him personally. I just wouldn't draft him. It's, you definitely cannot draft him as your second running back. If you want to make him your flex, go ahead. But personally, I would really prefer to see him on the bench for now. There obviously is some upside since we don't know the role, but I'm just not too high on that upside personally. Yep, I do think you said it pretty well. He's more of an upside type of player, and I think the same thing goes with James Robinson. Uh, like you said, two guys, you're unsure of the roles. Who's going to get the carries? How many catches are they going to get? All of that kind of stuff. And they're both young players. James Robinson was just a rookie last season. You have these guys um, who are going to have to come in and contribute. And I do think the beginning of the season, it's going to be rough. You're probably going to see split carries, if anything. Uh, you're going to have you're going to see them doing different roles. And I do think Urban Meyer is going to find out pretty quickly that I don't. Well, in my opinion, I don't think that that's going to work out for them. I think you're going to have to rely on one back make one your backup. And I think that's how the things are going to work out in Jacksonville best if you want to win some games. So I say, as you said, get them for your bench. And I do think later on in the season, one of these two guys is going to outplay the other one. And one's going to have that starting job where they're again, 15, 20 carries per game. The other one's probably again, seven ish carries per game. Uh, and it'll be more involved in the passing game. But right now, early on in the season, it's a bit of a risk and a bit of a, of an unknown until you see what the season go, uh, how the season plays out. So I say get these guys for your bench, just as Griffin said later on in the season. If you have one of these guys, you just have to hope your guy beats out the other one. And I do think whoever wins that battle, whoever ends up getting that starting role later in the season, which I do think is going to be something that happens, they're going to be a good player. And I do think they'll be a reliable flex for your team. Yeah, I agree with what you said. I think the winner, honestly, you know, would be an RB2 type guy. Um, you know, just because I think you look at James Robinson last year, he was an RB1. He was great um, down the stretch. So, um, you know, he played fantastic. Definitely an interesting situation to keep track of. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing for me is uh, the whole tight end situation this year. You've got Travis Kelsey projected to go in the first round, Darren Waller, George Kittle projected to go in the fourth round or so. But it seems like people often I've been doing some mock drafts. People like reaching on these guys in the third round or so. And then you've got that next tier of guys 
the TJ Hawkinson, the Mark Andrews, the Kyle Pitts, the Robert Tanya, and that kind of section of the, the board. So what are your kind of thoughts on the tight end situation? What group of guys are you personally liking? Are you liking going with Kelsey round one? Are you trying to eye one of the Kittle Wallers? Are you going with one of the, you know, later guys in the later rounds so you don't have to burn one of those early picks on, you know, one of those top three guys? Yep. So I'm going to start off and I'll talk about the Kelsey situation. He's obviously a guy who I think it's either fourth or eighth. I could be wrong where ESPN has him ranked right now. I think they have him at four right now. Yeah. yeah so uh, he's obviously going pretty high. And if I'm one of you guys, I'm saying stay away, not because of the reason that he's a bad player. He's obviously going to put up and probably have multiple 30 plus point games, but in your fantasy league, you can't be getting a tight end round one. We haven't seen this. It's always round two to three at highest um, for a tight end. We never see a round one tight end like this. You have to go out and you have to get your running backs. Running backs, especially if you're in a bigger league, they're going to go. And if you don't have one of these top guys, if you don't have at least three starting running backs on your team, you're not going to be able to go out and win a championship. You have to focus on going out and getting a running back first. That being said, Travis Kelsey, you know someone's going to bite on him. Someone's going to take him. And I do think that's drastically going to change um, how their fantasy team is throughout the season. They're going to have some good games, but overall in the end, I don't think it's going to pay out for winning a championship. Uh, and then, as you said, you have guys, um, you have the Kittles, you have the Darren Wallers. And uh, I think Kittle, in my opinion, he's a bit of, uh, I'd say not a risk, but – I'm not sure if I'm liking him over Darren Waller right now. Darren Waller, he's obviously a guy who solidified himself in the passing game. Uh, Kittle's a guy who's coming off an injury. Um, with Jimmy Garoppolo, he obviously has that connection. But with Trey Lance, I think Trey Lance is going to be a guy that wants to go deep more. Um, and you're going to have to rely on some different players to do so in that 49ers uh, system. You're going to have guys like Trey Sermon, who I think is going to um, outwork that running back core and somehow end up being a starting running back. You're going to have all these guys that are, that are going to be able to contribute, especially once Trey Lance comes in. So I do think Darren Waller is ahead of him. So right now, if I'm able to get Darren Waller somehow around three, four, that's a guy I would be willing to take. But honestly, I am in love with Kyle Pitts. I'd honestly wait until that range. He's a guy, even though I know the Cowboys need a defense, if he fell to, uh, or excuse me, 11 or 10, whatever it was, um, I would have had to take him if I was the Cowboys. Um, he's in a lot in an Atlanta Falcons team where you lose Julio Jones. Now it's just him, Calvin Ridley, and a guy named Russell Gage. He's going to be a guy I also think a lot of you guys should be looking forward towards uh, picking in your fantasy drafts this season. Uh, he obviously played pretty well when um, Julio Jones was out. And Kyle Pitts, you see in training camp, he's making these great plays, great catches. I like him. I like Robert Tynan. I like Mike Jacecki. You have all these guys who are going to contribute. So I'd honestly wait. If you can't get a Darren Waller in round four-ish, uh, I'd say wait till that next echelon of players of tight ends and go and get one of those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, the Kelsey round one situation is really interesting. I can't believe that he's going projected round one, but you got to look at him. He was a guy who, you know, for the past few years has basically been a, a guaranteed 20 points almost each week about. Um, he's been fantastic. So for me, um, you can't take him in the top five. You have to take one of those top five running backs. But once those five guys are gone, I can completely understand at least the pick of Kelsey. Obviously, it does kind of hinder your draft a bit just because the running back situation, it is often best to take a running back or at least a receiver that high. But, I mean, you got to look at Kelsey also and realize that 
tight end is one of the worst positions. I'd say the the it has the least depth in you know the whole in all the fantasy football. You really have a few top guys, and then it's guys who you don't know what you're going to get. You could be getting 20 points, but then you might get two points off each week. So with Kelsey, it's consistency. It's you know RB one level production out of that position, which is very good. You can't take him in the top five. Take one of those top five running backs. But if you do start getting to that Zeke, Jonathan Taylor range, I mean, there are guys like Devontae Adams who honestly might be better than him and might be more reliable um, with an Aaron Rodgers per se. But I I think, you know, Kelsey is going to be more reliable and consistent than a Zeke Elliott, Jonathan Taylor. It's just draft strategy that it then changes because your ability to get then two top RBs probably changes. But you got to look at the points, and, and if you're willing to do that, going on to Kelsey or Kittle and Waller, I really like Darren Waller. I think Darren Waller is a guy who in most leagues is going to be going in the third round just because people are going to want to get their hands on him. They're not going to want to risk rating. And, and that round three really seems to be a wide receiver kind of heavy round. That's where the DK Metcalf, Aaron, A.J. Brown, um, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, that's where those guys are kind of ending up right now. Justin Jefferson. So I think, you know, guys, we're also going to see Darren Waller mixed in there. He, to me, is the second best tight end in fantasy. If you can get this guy, go get him. He is a machine. We saw it last year. He really had a great season. Kittle, I I like Kittle a lot, um, but I agree with you. I think Waller's better, and I do think there's a risk with Kittle. He was injured, and when he came back, he was a little inconsistent, as he was kind of all of last year. Um, So there is a bit of a risk. And moving on to that next year, Kyle Pitts is a guy that, you know, I do also really like. I think there's going to be a lot of targets for him, a lot of opportunity for him. One thing I'd say about him is just don't get greedy. Don't reach with Kyle Pitts. Don't go so high that you're, you know, missing out on proven talent. That tight end group, you know, there are other guys. Personally, I like TJ Hawkinson as well. That that Lions offense, Dan Campbell has said some very good things as well. But TJ Hawkinson is in a spot to really be the leading target getter in that offense. You look at their weapons at wide receiver, essentially non-existent. I mean, Amon St. Brown, um, I don't even I, – I apologize. I think I botched that name. But um, St. Brown, um, I believe they have like another – maybe Tyrell Williams is who it is there. But they really have no other guys. I mean, so to me, TJ Hawkinson is going to be getting a lot of targets. The man came back looking like an absolute different person. I don't know what happened. His fantasy picture alone might make me have to stay away from him. But, um, you know, TJ Hawkinson – He's a guy who expected to get a lot of targets. Mark Andrews could have a bounce back here. I'm not personally as high on him. So to me, I like Kyle Pitts a lot. I like TJ Hawkinson a lot. Um, Robert Tanyan should be pretty good with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in that area that you can get that should be solid. But um, yeah, I mean, take Kelsey at your own risk, but do not take him in the top five. After that, I can understand the pick. And I do think that one can succeed after that. But if you can have a chance to get like a Derrick Henry and you take Travis Kelsey, you're just... That's the wrong decision. Completely the wrong decision. And I guess a final topic I kind of want to cover uh, real briefly yep. about fantasy football. Let's talk about these rookie receivers, how we have them ranked up, some of these big names. You obviously have Jamar Chase. You have Jalen Waddell. Um, you have Devonta Smith. You have guys like Kadarius Toney. Um uh, blanking on the name, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. You have these type of guys. Uh, how do you see some of these guys ranking up against each other? And who do you see um, having potential to have a big season this year with their team? Yeah, to me, the clear cut number one out of that group would be Jamar Chase. Um, you know, I think you can look at a lot of things. His, he already has built in chemistry with Joe Burrow. 
those two guys. I mean, you can say that with Jalen Waddle to a, um, maybe even hurts Devonta Smith, but not really. Um, so I guess there's built in cam all around, but I think the most established one and, and one that I'm looking at is that Joe Burrow, um, Jamar Chase, um, you know, group uh, to me, I, I really like Jamar Chase as well. I like the situation he's in. They do have, you know, guys like T Higgins, Tyler Boyd there, but I think Jamar Chase, they drafted him in that, that fifth pick and, you know, look at what's on the board. They Penny Sewell was on the board. And that would have really helped our offensive line. That's a spot of weakness. He would have really been a, uh, a force there. So I think you got to look at the same thing with Najee Harris. you got to look at these situations and say, who could the team have taken and who did they take? And they're not going to take a guy just to please Joe Burrow to barely use him in that fifth pick. You're taking that fifth pick to use him. And I hope they don't mess it up like they did with John Ross. Obviously, John Ross, not great. I don't think the talent was quite there. But they just didn't use him really to the extent that they should have. You need to use Jamar Chase. He needs to be from day one. That wide receiver one, wide receiver two, playing most of the downs. That's what I want to see. So I think there's some upside with Jamar Chase. Um, do I think he'll be a wide receiver one? I don't know, but wide receiver two, I think he could fall in that range. Looking at the other guys, I mean, Devonta Smith already dealing with injury problems. It kind of just seems like a guy that you know might end up just dealing with a lot of injuries in the NFL. We'll have to see what happens when he gets on the field. I mean, only time will tell how he's going to match up against these NFL corners. I'm a little weary of him. I do think there's some upside just because that lack of talent in the Eagles wide receiver room. I think he could make a dash for wide receiver one there um, with, with ease, to be honest. I don't think there's a lot of competition. I mean, we've heard like Jalen, I, I forget it was, if it was our Sega Whiteside or a Rager. I feel like something was going on with one of them that was like, they're like retiring or something. I don't know. I, I just remember reading some crazy thing out of the Eagles wide receiver room. Uh, I see my connections unstable, so I don't even know Mac can hear that. Um, could you hear yeah, any I of that? <laughs> I missed it. Okay. I missed well, it. I, I was saying how, um, the Eagles with Devonta Smith, there is a, you know, a path for the wide receiver one room at least. And I think there was something coming out about Rager or our single wide side, like saying they might retire or something. I don't know. I forget what it was, but I remember seeing something. I yeah, think, I think, it was so I, feel Rager, like, I think, um, one of his childhood friends had died or something. So, oh yeah, that was it. Um, yep. Like up to par with conditioning and that kind of stuff. So hopefully Jalen Rager can get the help he needs um, and is able to get through that tough time. Um, prayers out to him and his friends and his family. Um, but that said, Devonta Smith, you know, but even if Rager is healthy and playing to me, I think he can elevate to that wide receiver one status. Waddle, I'm personally not too high on. Um, it's a it's a stacked wide receiver room, to be honest. There's a lot of good guys there. They got Will Fuller. They've got Devontae Parker. They got like a Preston Williams. They have Gasicki. They have Gaskin. I think there's less of an opportunity there. Um, but we'll see. You're really, you know, you're a guy who loves Jalen Waddle, I know. So you'll probably have a different opinion than me. Looking at the other guys, I mean, those are guys that you can really take as upside for the bench, but I wouldn't expect much out of them. Kadarius Tony, maybe there's some upside there. Because Kenny Galladay is already experiencing some hamstring problems, that could linger. He could be out for some time. Obviously, they say it's minor, but these things never seem to turn out minor. They always kind of seem to just stay there with you. Um, but the Giants have a lot of good options. Rashad Bateman could be very interesting. Obviously, he'll you know probably have a lot of playing time in um, you know Baltimore there with that wide receiver room. And, and Elijah Moore, we've heard a lot of good things about him. Um, you know, there's a path for him to really get some serious reps there too. Obviously you have Corey Davis, you know, he'll be there. James Crowder's there as well. 
but you know, Elijah Moore could get big opportunity. I don't know. Personally, those are guys I'm eyeing for the bench and not like wide receiver three or fours, pretty much wide receiver five, sixes, kind of guys that you have on your roster. You're not really expecting them to play much, but they're there because you think they could turn out to be something and you're willing to risk roster spot for that upside. Yep, I completely agree. As you said, Jamar Chase, I do think he's the clear-cut number one out of all these guys right now. Um, even if he doesn't produce that in fantasy, in real life, uh, I think it's pretty easy and safe to say that he's going to be the best receiver out of all these guys. Uh, you go, you look at Jalen Waddle. I do think he's my number two receiver right now. He has the speed. You're connecting him with Tua Tagovailoa, his former quarterback. We saw what they were able to do the season that they played together, or at least part of the season that they were uh, playing together. He has the speed. You can use him a lot of different ways, and I think that's going to be uh, a key part of Tua's development. If you want Tua to develop into a quarterback, we could win playoff games potentially with. I think um, having Jalen Waddle on this team is going to substantially help him um, be able to do that and accomplish that and help him develop much quicker. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. You have Devonta Smith. Uh, this guy I'm not really high on. One, I hated him coming in. To co- yes, I love it. I hate him. I hate that he's on the Eagles. It's just a lot of hate factors. So I do think he's going to be the number one receiver. We're going to have to see how the weight affects him um, in the NFL because some of these bigger corners, you press them, it could be game over if he doesn't quickly win the release um, against these corners. We're going to have to see. That's going to be something that we're going to have to see as the season goes on, how he matches up against some of these corners and how his release looks. The release is the key to everything. We know what he could do after the release. But if he can't get past the release, none of that extra stuff, none of that route running matters. So we're going to see, could he beat these uh, corners pretty quickly off the line? And I do think if corners play off on him, he's going to make some filthy plays for the Eagles. But once it's pressed, we're going to have to see how he plays there. Um, you have Kadarius Tony, a guy who I think could be a solid six, five, six, seven points a game type of player with the upside of maybe getting 11, 12 points uh, on a given week. They just have a lot of receivers. None are really outstanding aside from Kenny Galladay, and it could kind of go either way. We're not sure if Daniel Jones, how is he going to play? Saquon will be back. He's going to be getting uh, a ton of focus in that offense. So Kadarius Tony, we're going to have to see how that plays out. I do think he's going to be a little bit too inconsistent for uh, me to draft on my fantasy team, but we're going to have to see how that plays out. You have Rashad Bateman. He's obviously on a run first team. You have Lamar Jackson, uh, quarterback and running back all in one. Uh, You have J.K. Dobbins, who's going to explode this season. I think he's going to play amazingly. Uh, And then he's just a guy we're going to have to see how – how the scheme wants to use him. He's a deep threat, obviously, but how many times are you going to be going deep? I think you're going to want to focus on the run game first because that's how you've been winning games the past few seasons and how you've been making it pretty far. And then lastly, Elijah Moore. This is a guy, as you said, you're hearing so many good things about. You're seeing so many good videos. And I do think he has the upside of being the second or third best receiver in this class. Um, Hopefully that tickles your fancy a little bit. (laughs) But I do think he has that upside. He was great in college at Ole Miss, and we're seeing all these Ole Miss guys come to the NFL, and they're lighting it up. You have DK Metcalf. You have A.J. Brown. And Elijah Moore seems like he could potentially Not the quite same build as as those other two, though. He's a a bit smaller than those. Hey, you know, those were some later later guys, second, third round. This guy's a second rounder. 
He's a second rounder. Imagine what he's going to do compared to these guys. He could even early be second, early second. He exactly. was essentially a first round. <laughs> exactly. He could even be better than these two guys. You never know. But Elijah Moore, you see the great things he's doing, route running, deep threat. He has the speed. He's connecting with Zach Wilson almost immediately. Um, I love what I'm seeing. So I do think Jamar Chase, number one, Elijah Moore has the potential to be that number two or three. So I'd give it Jalen Waddle and uh, Elijah Moore are probably pretty close for the two and three spot. Um, after that, it could kind of go in any which way. I do think Rashad Bateman is probably there. Devonta Smith, and I do think Kadarius Tony's kind of last just because the question marks of the team around him. Who's going to, who are they going to use? It's really just too many question marks. We're going to have to see, but uh, a lot of good receivers and a lot of uh, later round guys, which we'll probably get into in the next few weeks um, when we break down some more fantasy football before you guys start your drafts and before the season comes. There are a lot of these later round guys who are going to be able to contribute. Players like Cornell Powell, uh, a lot of different guys who are going to be able to make plays for their team. And as you said, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, he could be a guy that's probably going to start for the Lions. Um, so we're just going to see how things play out. We're definitely going to get more into that um, in the next few weeks before the season starts. And I'm excited for it. Let's see how things play out. And uh, yeah, that's all I have for today. Yeah, um, a lot information covered. I mean, this is a longer episode than we've done the past few weeks. So we hope you guys, you know, really enjoyed it. Obviously, um, we're going to be putting on an episode next week. That will probably be, I would say, fantasy and NFL focused. I don't think we'll really touch on the NBA unless Kawhi Leonard signs. Um, we'll probably briefly talk about that. Um, but then we'll probably focus a lot on fantasy and the NFL. And then we'll also be discussing kind of the future outlook of the podcast. Some things are going to be changing um, just with logistics. And um, yeah, we'll keep you guys tuned with that. Um, season two of, of Outside the Arena will be coming. We'll probably be taking um, a week or so off just to regroup. Um, and But that will all be explained next week. We'll describe everything, the plan and whatnot. And then, yeah, we'll be uh, ready to go for the NFL season. So next week, stay tuned. A lot of fantasy football likely coming your way. Yep, a lot of news for you guys next week. So make sure to tune in. Everyone, as always, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe, not only on this channel, but our other channel, OTA Clips, where we post shorter breaking news type episodes where we have some guests on. And if you guys want to come on, uh, you can really feel free to reach out to us, especially on Instagram. That is probably the easiest place to come on and re or reach out to us if you want to come on. So my Instagram is Mac.Rommel. Griffin's Instagram is Griffin Senek. Our podcast Instagram is outside the arena podcast. So as I said, uh, you could shoot us a DM over there. If you guys want to come on OTA clips, we would love to have you guys on, or even if you just want to talk in the DMS, we would really appreciate that. And then also, if you guys can't watch on YouTube, if it's easier to just listen to audio, we are available and we are on Apple podcasts and Spotify. It is also outside the arena on those. So make sure you go subscribe to us there. It'll be a little bit easier for some of you guys, if you're listening in the car or whatever it may be, but as always, we really, really thank you guys and appreciate you guys for watching. Um, and we'll see you all next week. We've got some big news and we're excited to share it with you guys.